and white babies, and welcome once again to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy. I'm Joe Stapleton. Him? That's my work wife. He's James Hardigan. Happy American Business Women's Day, Joe. And that's why I took my work wife to work day today. I don't know what that means. Coming up on today's show, <laughs> uh, w-, w Coop is over. The card counter is over. Uh, it's just regular time again. <laughs> Right before a WCOOP Poker Stars, they quietly added another couple of team pros. Yeah. One of them, you probably heard of by uh, before. He goes by the name Ben CB. Uh, his real name is Ben Rolla, and he is on the show today. Looking forward to that. At the request of one of the Pike community, hashtag Pike community on Discord, we're going to go behind the scenes on the live streams, talk about what happens in the hours before we actually appear on screen. This is a good shout because we go live at 1030 in the morning and usually I'm in that chair by 730 or 8 o'clock in the morning. So just what in the hell goes on for those couple of hours? This week's super fan is Demetrios Lambros and we are talking super system. How come nobody talks about what a terrible title Super System is? It's, and the, it, it, the irony is that's not the original title of the book, but I have to be careful what I say here because I think that might be one of the questions in Patrick's quiz, so I'm just going to shut up. It sounds like a fad diet. <laughs> Super System. This is how I lost all those extra pounds during the WSOP. Uh, so, my babies, I am in Sacramento right now. Well, not quite Sacramento. Outside Sacramento. I'm at a joint called Thunder Valley. And, uh, you know, right before the pandemic hit, James, I was supposed to do a, a comedy show here. It was right. going to be my first uh, my first real casino show. No, we did one at Atlantis. Um, which I don't really consider. I guess it, it's a casino, but it felt it's a totally different vibe yeah. uh, than an American casino. So um, that hasn't been rescheduled. But now that live poker is up and running again, I get to travel a little bit, do some stuff for the Run Good Poker Tour. And uh, Maria Ho has taken half of my action. And I, do, I just don't know how to tell her that we're down 800 in Pi Gow so far. So... <laughs> When she agreed to take 50% of your action, did you make it clear that you were including table games? I, You know, 50% of my action is 50% of my action. And I got to tell you, you know, after a couple of glasses of wine at dinner last night, I thought the $25 dragon bet was a good bet. I thought I thought I was going to have to hit eventually, I mean, but it turns out that's not a thing. The one time you don't play it is the one time it hits. Exactly. You play Thank it once, you, you got to play it every time. Thank you for understanding. Yeah, so I played it, you know, whatever it is, uh, whatever eight times four is. I played it 32 times. Didn't hit it any time, unfortunately. Um, so what's happening with the uh, the Discord? What's what's going on in the world of Discord? Yeah, so you right mentioned now? the fact that we do take suggestions of guests we should have on the show and stuff we should talk about as we're doing today. Uh, there's also a channel for super fan applications. Uh, there's also a channel for people to send in their rulings if they want judges james and joe to provide a ruling or if they uh, want us to run a mock if they have one question they're desperate for us to answer um interestingly during the sunday million stream alex nfc1 posted inspired <laughs> by that stream would you consider doing a one-off superfan versus hartigan on the james bond movies i'm sure you'd get wow. a few brave slash stupid enough to take him on in brackets not me. And in response, Patrick said he would be legitimately scared if he were tasked with putting together that quiz. 
Um, I I mean, look, we got a we got a Bond themed episode coming up. I'm not entirely opposed to uh, a, a Hardigan versus Super Fan for that, and I'm not entirely opposed to making the quiz myself. I would take that on my shoulders. I think Patrick would be better at it, but if he, if he's scurred, I'll do it. I've never been afraid to fail on this show. I fail constantly. <laughs> Let's take it under advisement and review in the coming weeks. Um, that Sunday Million stream, by the way, that Alex is referring to was really, really fun. That was great. Um, yeah. You know, having covered WCOOP for, what was it, four consecutive weeks to go back to doing the 109 buy-in Sunday Million with its faster structure, 15-minute blinds, playing down from 70-odd players to a winner all in one day. Uh, being a PKO format, seeing some play which is not game theory optimal. But yeah, it was enjoyable. And just to see the dominance by one player. So often we've had situations at final tables where one player has half the chips in play, two thirds of the chips in play, and they don't win. Because the reality is everyone's shallow at that point. The swings are huge. Variance is real. But on this occasion, we saw a player hold on to that chip lead, continue to dominate, arguably by being selectively aggressive and not getting carried away, and close it out in spectacular style with a three-way all-in. Not quite the four-way all-in we saw back in Montreal seven years ago, Joe, but still, three-way all-ins are rare. Very rare, especially in the age of ICM, right? In the age of uh, figuring out that, like, uh-oh, I could p- potentially uh, lose out on some money here. The way this final hand ended up shaking out, I don't think it really was that different considering the shortest stack had the worst hand, yada, yada. However, it was a super fun stream. It's cool that you get to see, like, you know, the a little bit of personality even sometimes in the Sunday million streams and the way that people play, uh, as we know, personality isn't always plus EV or isn't even, you know, isn't always GTO. So it's actually kind of cool to watch that. I had a, I had a really good time yeah. on, uh, on this week's Sunday million. And of course we do it every Monday night at the usual time, one thirty Eastern, six thirty UK, seven thirty central European time. And it also finished at a reasonable time enough for me to continue revisiting Oliver Stone's Ooh. Nixon. It's a long movie. Oh. So I'm watching it in installments, but I actually think it's a really, really strong movie, which I think was a little bit overlooked at the time. Anyway, I assume you've been watching more current fare. No, I mean, look, I, I think that we've had both very little time to watch stuff. I haven't seen Shang-Chi yet even. Um, did you see that? No, no. I booked okay, my tickets yeah. for Bond. That will be my next cinema trip. I, 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 you know how I feel about the Marvel movies. They're fine, but I'm not going to go to any great effort to see them. It's going to be on Disney Plus in a month. I can wait till I'm then. Here- I'm hearing great things about Shang-Chi, but yeah, between the card counter and the traveling and the W Coupe, I haven't time to watch much except. So my girlfriend started, we, I've mentioned a bunch of times, my girlfriend started watching Deadwood. And so yes. when I was able to, I was watching it with her. But something I kind of forgot about while we were doing it is the Deadwood movie that came out a couple years ago. Yeah, because I remember saying to you, have you seen it yet? Have you seen it yet? And did you finally watch it? I did finally watch it. I was waiting to rewatch the show, so it was all fresh in my mind. And I have to say that as a standalone movie, it's not great. But as uh, like a nice epilogue and like putting uh, like some closure to the Deadwood story, I thought it was great. I thought it was really a perfect ending. And really, in my opinion, all they did was take what should have happened then and just had it happen 10 
years later. Yeah. But it, it was really kind of neat to see. And I, I hate to be like this. It was a little sad to see how old everyone had gotten. Um, but, you know, at least the actors themselves are all mostly still alive and, and were able to just it, it was I, I've mentioned this multiple times. Deadwood really bothered me and that I felt bad for the characters that they had no closure, that they had no resolution yeah. to their story. And this movie really was a very good ending to that story. If they had to do it in like one 90 minute fell swoop. And I know the idea of finishing the story with a movie has been touted for so long now. And I guess you reach a point where so much time has passed. Like what was it? 12, 13 years that yeah. you can't do a direct continuation. I think you used the word epilogue there, Joe, epilogue, coda, whatever you want to call it. It does yeah. feel like a kind of, um, not a continuation, but a kind of a complementary element to that series. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was very good. And I'm glad that those characters have reached closure. Yeah, same. So I, I, I know I mentioned this a bunch of times on the show. I, I have had a little bit of time to play video games. And I just have to say that Resident Evil Village is maybe one of the best video games I've ever played in my life. It's really cool. Definitely at the top of the Resident Evil franchise. I know horror is not your thing, James. Is no. The Witcher scary? No, no. Okay. I mean, there's um, monsters Evil- in it, but I wouldn't describe it as scary. Not like that Alien game I played where I was like freaked out. Yeah, this is probably a mix of those two games, I would say. But what they've done this time is um, there's like a whole team of bad guys in this one that are all really interesting, scary characters. Like a little baby doll is one of them uh, that you have to kill. And then there's like a a giant woman from like the 1920s, but she's like eight feet tall. It's all very cool, very creepy, very scary. I like it. And speaking of creepy and scary, I did start watching Why the Last Man – uh, which is based on a graphic novel because my friend Lauren, uh, a different Lauren, uh, who is also a producer, poker friend, is a producer and a director on that show. And I was thinking maybe as a show, we might end up getting kind of into that, especially if we talk to Lauren in a couple of months time uh, as the show's had its time to uh, to work its way through. And so far, I think it's a great pilot and I really like the concept. I've been enjoying it so far. So if anyone wants to join in and watch Why the Last Man with me, maybe we can chat about it on Discord, something like that, if we don't do a full segment on the show. Sure, but feel free to use the podcast discussion channel on Discord. Link in the podcast description, by the way, to the Pokestars Discord server. But please feel free to use that channel to discuss movies, TV shows, and anything else that comes up on this show. Need to find out where that is available uh, in the UK. I thought we would just summarize a few items of poker news. Yes. Um, some of these stories newer than others. First of all, I wanted to highlight a couple of interesting results from stars at the weekend. We've already talked about the Sunday Million. Um, there was the 1K Sunday High Roller, which is part of the High Roller Club, and the EPT Online main event winner from last year, What If God, was the champion in that one, nice. winning it for $33,000. But this one is even more up to the minute the 5k titans event entered in a chop with the final two players earning approximately 175,000 each per brits was the official runner-up a player who we've seen a lot of on our streams recently and the winner crazy lissy fresh off taking down oh, the 5k w coop no limit holder main event crazy lissy is the official winner of the 5k titans event not one week later are you telling me uh, this so this wasn't over the weekend yes 
so they didn't even take the weekend off. These these people, they're just like, what's next? Well, show me the next five k in this get in the in the client. Pretty much, that's how Sick. it works. Um, there is a poker connection to this new story. Bear with me. Okay. Now, Joe, I know you don't follow sport, you don't watch a lot of sport, but I'm assuming you were aware of the fact that the U.S. Open final, the women's final, was a huge deal for viewers in the U.K. I was uh, aware of it. Must It must have been important, cause, uh, important because you tweeted about something, which you rarely do. You don't really stick your neck out there very often on a lot of topics, but I saw you tweeting about an Emma Radu Canu. Yes. Uh, so this is an 18-year-old who is going to be rising up the tennis rankings super fast. The first ever qualifier to win the US <laughs> Open. Didn't drop a single set in all of the qualifying rounds or any of the rounds leading up to and including the final. An absolutely sensational performance. She is an articulate, intelligent, incredibly talented athlete who is so eminently marketable. She is of Chinese Romanian heritage, born in Canada, raised in the UK, (laughs) uh, speaks English and Cantonese, could easily become the biggest earning sports star in the world. But more than anything, I was just really thrilled to see her and her opponent, who was also a teenager, two fresh stars of the game, play an amazingly close and brilliant final and the weird thing is after the winning moment so happy for Emma to have achieved this success and be the first British female tennis player to win a Grand Slam since Virginia Wade in the 1970s and what happens as she comes down from the stands having kind of hugged her coaches she is high-fived by someone in the stands and I peer at my screen and I had to rewind the video Thank God for instant replay, right, on TV (laughs) transmissions. It's like, is that Mark Telcher? And sure enough, I am 95% sure that Mark Telcher was in the stands of that final at Flushing Meadows and high-fived Emma Raducanu after she won the US Open. So I guess we got to get to the bottom of this, huh? We got to figure out how Mark Telcher knows the next hottest tennis star on the planet. Do you think do you think this girl's really going to go the distance? I really hope so. I mean, if she's winning grand slams at the age of 18 and if she can keep up uh, and fulfill her true potential, then you know, I think she could win multiple titles over the next 5 to 10 years. Um I will watch her career with interest. Tennis is one of the few sports I'm actually interested in and one of the sports I follow and right now the women's game is really really interesting to watch. Um anyway, Back to pure poker. You did allude to this already, Joe. There was a new signing to Team Poker Stars just as WCOOP was getting underway. Uh, known as Ben CB Online, plus some numbers that I can't remember. His real name is Ben Roller, and I'm very thrilled to say that he is the guest on this week's podcast. Ben, welcome to Poker in the Ears, and congratulations on becoming a team pro. Thank you very much. I'm very grateful to be here today. It's, it's a little bit surreal because you guys are the voice of poker. You know, like when you start poker, you hear you guys talking and all you like, sorry about that. Look up to you guys. And now uh, <laughs> I'm here being interviewed. That's it's pretty insane. I'm very grateful for that. 
I think it's insane also, but for the opposite reasons, like I'm kind of intimidated to talk to the great Ben CB just based on reputation on the fact that like people look to you as like a poker guru and have for a really long time now. Like I'm, I'm kind of intimidated uh, to talk to someone who's just widely considered to be one of the best in the world. It is becoming a team pro something that was a dream of yours something that you cared about at any point or is it just like ah, well you know another another notch in the belt uh very very kind of you thank you um uh, goes both ways um i applied i think for becoming a team pro like six years ago when i was grinding sit and go mid stakes they just got stars. to it <laughs> yeah <laughs> they just got yeah. your application <laughs> and I was uh, submitting my applications, but they never got back to me. So I got a little angry uh, that they didn't consider me back then. But of course, I was just a random like $50 sit and go grinder and haven't had any social media appearance. So, yeah. I mean, I guess we should rewind the clock then yeah. slightly and, and, and get to the beginnings of Ben CB and how you went from starting out in poker to becoming that mid-stakes grinder to becoming the high roller player who's now regarded as one of the best poker coaches in the world. How did it begin? Did you have a life before poker or are you one of those people who did the classic, well, I fell out of college, started playing? Mm, not really, to be honest. My parents were always trying to make me aware of the fact that having a degree is quite a, kind of important. So I finished yeah. my bachelor's, I started my master's. And in the meantime, I also started playing poker. Uh, grinded $1 sitting goals, grinded my way up, uh, up to the highest stakes sitting goals, transitioned over to tournaments. And that's where it all started with Raise Your Edge. I mean, that's obviously a very short version of it. Yeah. I mean, those moving up the stakes, changing game type. Yeah. I mean, in <clears> reality, <throat> how long did that take? Did you go through a period of like... Um, being like so many of us just kind of clicking buttons and hoping for the best. I guess, how do you transition from being someone who's interested in poker to someone who realized I can be really good and I can make a lot of money playing poker? Well, first of all, having that shift in my mindset of I'm good that I actually suck. So oh. I started then learning. I, I went broke three times at the beginning. Like right. I deposited 50 bucks. It was gone in no time. And then at some point I realized, all right. Wait, 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 sorry. When we deposit $50 and lose it, is that considered <clears throat> going broke? Like losing your bankroll. I okay, mean, so I've, then, I've gone broke a, hundreds of times then. Okay. I was, <laughs> listen, I, I, I was a student. Having $50 is a lot of money. You're happy when you have some money on your bank account, right? Um, so I deposited it and, um, you know, I was not follow, even following bankroll management. Playing ten ten dollar tournaments, so I was like, well, with five buy-ins. Yeah, of course. Good luck with that, right? Um, so that that was probably the most important step. And then once I took it serious, it, it was just a matter of time. Here and there, I had my um, bumps in the road. Black Friday hit me really hard, losing almost my entire bankroll. I had to grind it up all at one, again. And then also once I moved over to PokerStars, Supernova, uh, Supernova, Supernova Elite. Helped me a lot also to, of course, be um, building my bankroll even bigger. And then, yeah, moving over to tournaments was a very important step in my career as well, for sure. Do you think that you can still <laughs> make a living playing sit and goes or is that are those days gone? Is it all about MTTs and cash now? 
I do believe that the future is tournament poker simply because it just, you know, if you just look at the poker star stream, I mean, you guys broadcast tournament poker, it's just more apparent in, 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 in the world of social media and, and sitting goes, it's still beatable. I know a bunch of guys who are still grinding their way up. It's just not so attractive as tournaments. It's a niche, right. which not a lot of people necessarily enjoy it because it can be become quite bland, right? You just grind the same stack size over and over again, especially when you play hyper-turbo sitting goals, like 20 big blinds. I mean, if you grind that for a year, it's like nothing can really shock you anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but with tournaments, like every Sunday that I grind, it's like you discover new spots because so many different stack sizes, so many different types of opponents, ICM situations, bubble situations. So this is what makes the game so attractive that every single time you learn something new or you discover something and that just makes it so so much more fun to play but i mean to answer your question yeah i do believe that sitting goals are still very very profitable in these cool. days from some of the events you mentioned there this has clearly been a, a long journey and you've clearly been playing poker for some time um how much live poker have you played during the era? Because Ooh, I know question. it's really difficult to kind of like, you should never sort of compartmentalize players as an online player or a live player, but you are one of the people who's probably better known by their screen name than they are by their real name. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I've been mass tabling sitting goals. So once I started playing some live, it was really boring. <laughs> um, so imagine you play 15 20 tables sitting goes at the same time you have all ins left and rights and yeah. you always have a spot and then you play live you play if you're lucky three four five hands in one hour that you're involved in right sometimes you don't play even one hand in one hour um so i would say i probably played like 15 to 20 live tournaments in my entire career and 10 tournaments of that in like 2014 las vegas wcp and then in Barcelona, three, four EPTs. And then 2019, Las Vegas, four or five live tournaments. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. So not a lot of live poker there. Uh, no. How do you get to the point where you're like, I think people should pay me to teach them about poker? <laughs> like, how, how do you get yeah. to that decision? It was actually, of course, it was my decision. But back then when I played sitting goals, I had a bunch of guys approaching me because it spread around that I'm doing quite well on sitting goals. And they asked me, hey, can you maybe just teach me? Can we? Can you coach me? And I was actually, sure, why not? And then I've received that feedback that people really enjoyed it and that they have learned so much because I would say I had a complete different play style than most of the players. I studied my opponents very well. So I discovered a lot of different spots that I could take advantage of. And of course, I passed this knowledge along. And then they realized, oh, my God, I've been doing so many things wrong. And this is where they literally just wanted to pay me a lot of money to teach them what they have been doing wrong. And this is where then after you, I have had private coachings for a year or two, I was like, well, it's a very repetitive pattern. At some point, you teach the same things over and over again. Right. So why don't just put it in a course? And everything that I've been teaching there, and of course, new stuff, I put it in a, in a course. And back then, it was my first sit and go course. And it was just me, some PowerPoint slides, and talking about everything I know. And um, back then, we weren't that big. But it was, again, very well received because there was literally no sit and go content out there. And then once I started with tournament poker, 
same 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 spiel hier i had a lot of tournament poker coach or, or tournament coachings and i saw the same the same pattern as as well but this time i also wanted to take a little further to talk a little bit more about the mindset side of things as well because you know variance is very very big wanted to talk about variance wanted to talk about you know i'm not claiming to be a mindset guru or anything just you know i've been doing this now for 10 years and i can claim of myself that i've seen a lot of stuff that others can learn from and i'm just okay i had these issues with my mindset and downswings and this is the way i was coping with it maybe give it a try so i wanted to make it a more holistic approach very practical and i just wanted to do the same for a tournament and then then this is basically how it started out yeah uh, with 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 raise your edge and my coachings and, and people uh, paying me for that but it was never really i've never one day it was like, oh, I should make money out of it. Right. No, yeah. I just actually really enjoyed enjoyed doing the coaches. I really enjoy working yeah. with people. And but it started it because happened. the people came to you. It wasn't like I have all this knowledge no, yeah. to impart. They wanted your expertise. I mean, I think I have a better understanding and appreciation now of of poker coaching and poker training sites than I used to. I back in the day, I guess back in the era of card runners, I always thought it was nuts. It's like, why do these people who rely on there being people bad at poker for them to make money want to teach these people what they're doing? Why do they want to make these people better? Doesn't that make their careers harder for them? Uh, yes and no. It makes it harder in one way that I also see for myself that people have a much better understanding of how I play. But on the flip side, and this is the best way of learning, is teaching. Right? When you read a book, even if you take some notes, you put it aside, well, you're probably going to do quite well. You might remember a few things. If you try to teach the main concepts to someone else and explain it in a way that they can grasp it, you have internalized it. And this is the way I see it. So yes, people are going to be able to exploit me, but I've realized if I create a course, if I research the things, if I have to, you know, I have to put my shit together in order to teach that on cam and also summarize it and make it, um, design it in a way that people can grasp my concepts that I'm trying to teach, I'll be able to also deploy that knowledge in, 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 in the real life of poker. So Actually, from year to year, I've been doing much better in poker ever since I started with Raise Reg. And one of the reasons is certainly teaching poker as well. And then on the on the other side as well, I do believe that people are still very lazy. I mean, otherwise everyone... Yeah, I mean, there's also there's still a lot people of like me out there, Ben, who refuse to get any better. People who are like, "Oh, poker's still just a game to me, and I don't want to put all this work in." Uh, but it's fine. Exactly, which I think is also fine. But your students are going to crush people like me. Well, I'm not ta even talking about these people. I just mean that actually the ones who want to go get better. I was like, okay, I want to make the effort to get better. But then at the end of the day, they maybe watch a video or two, or even soak up my free content on YouTube. And then nothing really happens. They just think, you know, something magically will happen when they read a book or they take a course, but they have a hard time really internalizing the knowledge. I mean, it's ludicrous if I just go through some of my DMs and the messages we have on Discord. I'm like, and this is what I try to, I think the first videos, it's just about, listen, you need to take action. Nothing is going to happen if you just sit here. I sprinkle you a little bit with wisdom towards you. Nothing is going to change. You might... Remember a few things for two or three days, but in seven days, you're going to be going back to your old self and, and nothing is really changing. So 
if someone doesn't want to, if he doesn't want to put in the work, I'm say, great, awesome. Because then at least he's honest. He, like you, if you don't want to, that's fine. But I see it very problematic if there's someone who actually a pays money for that. And yeah. yes, we charge a lot of money. But then you should also listen to our introduction where I'm telling people, listen, like if you invest a lot of money, you can expect good content, but you should also demand a lot from yourself in order to be able to apply that. Otherwise, it's just a waste of money. It's just a waste of time and don't do that. And it's definitely not for everyone. That's period. That's not a yeah. course where I'm saying, listen, it's for everyone. This is the great opportunity. Join my WhatsApp group and you're going to be a millionaire. No, it's not that kind of stuff. So got to gotta, uh, take some action. And yeah, I, I, I think that unfortunately, I mean, you have so many fitness courses out there, you know, and still people have problems with their health and stuff. True, right. you know, it's, it's in every area. You have shitload of content out there on YouTube. Does it really make everyone a fitness model, a poker crusher, a millionaire, a business guru? No, certainly not because people are not willing to take action. Uh, that's a great explanation. Thank you for that. Uh, one thing I've just taken away from that, James, all I have to do is be able to teach better poker and I'll be better at poker. So I'm just going to skip the learning part, skip straight to the teaching part, and I'm all set. Make sure ben, you uh, uh, write that tip on one of your well, post-it uh, notes. Honestly, I have had students where the, an issue that they really struggled with in a certain area is like, okay, one week, Go over some spots. Next week, you want to teach it to another student. And I will talk to that student and he will explain me what he learned from you. It has so far fixed every single problem my students had in their spots. It's, it's the best that. technique. That's super yeah. cool. So when you're measuring the success of a poker player, we can measure it by accolades or titles or money, obviously, one. What are some of your biggest successes you feel as a training site or a coach? Like, How do you measure that <laughs> success? I mean, it's really hard to measure because we also have a lot of students. Um, I try to measure it basically how often people watch the videos in the course. There's a certain industry standard for, for videos, for online content. And what we are trying to do is that the videos are being watched and also watched until the end. Right? If you, right. If you have a course and only... 20% on average is watched of all the videos or 10%, then, you know, something is not necessarily right. Uh, I don't know the exact numbers, but of course, it's something we monitor and it's something where we can proudly say of ourselves that uh, the average is, or, or our view time of the entire course is, is much higher than the average. And this is what we're striving for. Because for us, it's not just about, hey, okay, we got to sign up. No, we also want to make sure that he's watching those videos. That's cool. Looking at the poker training industry in 2021 yeah. how, how competitive is it now uh it definitely has gotten way more competitive i think for us not necessarily that competitive because you have a whole bunch of sites that are just put, um, putting out solvers and, and training software that solely focus on teaching gto poker and just and a lot of these tools are really great I just do believe in a different approach of having someone that explains you the reason behind something. So with Paired, we have a software where we can also do GTO quizzes and solves, but the main focus is on when you do a quiz, after every question, you have the option to 
see an explanation video where I explain, okay, this is the reason why we bluff here. This is the reason why we don't bluff there. This is the reason why we want to fold this hand and so on and so forth. I show that based on solves, but my goal is always to teach why we want to do certain things. And this is, in my opinion, the, the most powerful way to learn because yeah, you, you can have a great software that shows you how you're supposed to play in spot in theory, but you don't really understand why. It's like, why do we want to overbet here? Why do we want to bet small here? Why do we bluff these suits and not these suits? How does blocker effects play an important role in this spot? And this is just something this can also be very confusing. And these solvers are not simplifying at all as well. So what we want to do in poker, since it's so complex, we want to simplify a lot. We want to see heuristics. We want to see patterns that we then can also mirror onto other spots. And this is impossible to do with the solve. I mean, you can do it yourself, but I always compare that with in school, basically learning with a solver is if you go to a math lecture and you have everything written on the board mm -hmm. and then you have to teach it to yourself, right? This is basically... Mm -hmm working with a solver or you have a teacher ideally someone a teacher you like is explaining you how it works right so this is how i believe studying is way more powerful versus just checking results and seeing okay i did this right i did this correct but and and this is something i've also discovered in our discord very often when our students post hands and we have a very active community that they might have played the hand in a way that I would say you played it well, but once you see their thought process, the reasons behind it, it's completely fucked up. So essentially they just got lucky playing the hand in the correct way. So, and they did it for the wrong reasons. And as you know, in poker, you can get luck a lot of the times or as bad luck. And also you can get lucky the way you play a hand and it might look from the outside that, oh, you played a hand very well, even though you did it for the wrong reasons, which will then lead you to make fundamental mistakes in other spots. Is it weird that um, Ben actually makes me want to be a better poker player? Like, just in <laughs> listening, I really, I, I can see why your training courses are uh, are popular. Like, just in listening to you, I, I like the way you're breaking down things already, and you've done a good job of making it not super intimidating. Uh, I, I like that. Uh, my you, last man. question, yeah, is can you name a couple of, students that you're like particularly proud of that you can be like yeah this is uh this is someone that's come out of the 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 ben cb school the you know the unfortunately a lot of them i i'm not allowed to review names oh, cool that's you, awesome that's great you can, that you can be certain that a lot of these guys that you see are always on these high stakes final tables hell yeah With a few of them i had some some sessions but yeah this is something especially when uh the, the ones that had more success they especially in the beginning of the session Quiet. Them, please don't be quiet, yeah, because once it makes the round that, especially since it's a smaller pool and they're very competitive and they don't enjoy being out there. Sure. Um, yeah. I, right. had, I had two two stories that I'm, I'm very proud of. One is I'm working with Tim Thompson. He used to be, he's now also one of the biggest, uh, I was last year, he's he's doing well, very well with, with tournaments. And it's a, it's a very... It's not that kind of story or like he won a big tournament for $5 million. But when I had my se first session with him, it was really hard for him. He felt very pressured, just me uh, watching and listening to him. And he was sharing his thoughts. He was not able to tell me why he would do certain things when we would review spots. Um, I, I don't know why, because I think I'm someone who, I try to be very empathic and listen. And at first, 
um, let the other t person talk and, and share her, her thoughts or his thoughts on it. And now, five years later, six years later, he's basically my main partner in Raise Your Edge. And he has been crushing tournaments, mid-stakes for the last couple of years. And back then, he was trying to make moves on $5 and $10 sitting goals. And yeah, just along the way, he has been evolving to such an established tournament player. And now he has been building paired. He is basically, um, yeah, my... Uh, my biggest or most important partner in, in Raise Your Edge and something I'm nice. I'm very happy with how how it started evolving. That he used to be my student and yeah, it was a bit a a bit of a struggle at the beginning of our not that it was like a bad relationship, but just yeah, there were so, obviously some issues and yeah, I, I also but I always had the feeling that he wanted to evolve, he wanted to work on that. It was like yeah, Ben, I don't know, I feel that pressure and I have a hard time articulating my thoughts. But yeah, somehow we made it and also has really helped him. And I think that was also a strong bond that has been built there. Cool. Uh, my final question is is looking to the future. And I guess what you feel you still have to achieve as someone who's moved up in stakes to play high roller MTTs, who's successfully set up their own business, <clears throat> who is now sponsored by a major poker site. Are there any goals left? What's the next step for you, Ben? For me, the, the main goal is simply, I'm, I mean, I'm not a full-time grinder anymore. I play my Sundays. I play some tournaments during WCOOP. And that's that's pretty much it in Scoop and, and T-Coop. And that's pretty much it because I'm very much involved in in, in, in poker. And also we have a big esports project uh, running that takes a lot of my time. But just for me, staying ahead the curve and just finding a way where I can study in an efficient way and connect, creating content with studying for myself that I'm being able to to stay ahead and, and, and understand where I can exploit because I don't have the time to study five hours a day, like some of these young kids that are coming up and yeah, just, just, just studying in a very smart way and finding the biggest leaks that the population is doing. And, and then in the grand scheme of things for me, being able to push poker, I'm still, I find it kind of embarrassing the numbers we reach with Twitch poker compared to other industries, given how exciting poker can be, given how much money is at stake. If you just look at some some of the other streamers from whether it's gaming or slots or whatever, I, I feel yeah. like something is missing. Something there is something fundamentally missing, and I'm looking for that holy grail. We have a few ideas that we're trying to incorporate over the next couple of weeks, also on our Twitch channel, um, because I believe the 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 time in in between big hands right sometimes if you watch a streamer there's one big spot oh yeah hurrah that's awesome but then there's like 20 minutes nothing happening and i think that's that's a big problem for twitch poker and something needs to happen in between we have some very entertaining characters uh with spraggy with lex with finton i think we have great great streamers but we need to find a way to keep the viewers in the stream because I think the bounce rate is, is, is very high. They tune in, switch, move on, see how's the streamer going. Ah, chips, ah, he, he chipped up a little bit. Great. Okay, let's keep watching my other streamer. And this is, I think, where, where Twitch poker really struggles. And I, I, I would like that we get higher in the, in the ranking of Twitch poker. Thank or God. in general in Twitch. Thank God Ben's on our side. Right? Like, if, what if he, like, went to someone else and he was just, like, figured out how to get insane, like, millions of people watching poker <laughs> on Twitch? Like, thank goodness he's on Team Pro now. Uh, ben, I have some ideas for live poker as well. I think once, and I, I initially wanted to go to Las Vegas to grind the WCP to try out some live stuff, real life stuff with, with poker, Twitch, Twitch real life, IRL stuff. 
Um, but yeah, if the next EPT is coming, you can expect me to be there and doing some cool, some cool content also making that on. Because if you see of some of the poker vloggers in America, it's pretty bad. And I think this might also be way more interesting to connect, you know, the real life of a yeah. poker player with, with poker in real action is something where, um, yeah, if you, if you grind live in a casino, it just, and you stream it, for example, there's so much more you can happen. You can chat with the people around it. You can talk, you can, like, I, I think it's so much cooler than just sitting in front of the computer and waiting for some hands. And also it's hard to tell a narrative because even if you just play six tables, it bounces around. Oh, there's something. Oh, Basto here. We continue here. It's, I don't know, something, something is missing. I think there are a lot of, there's a lot of potential, massive potential and a lot of opportunities how we can tackle that. Awesome. Well, I think you've got massive potential and lots of opportunities as a new team pro. And one of those opportunities right now, Ben, it's a rite of passage. You got to play one of my dumb games. Every time you come on the podcast, you're going to have to play a dumb game now. And uh, I decided to make this a little play off your last name. This game is called Rock and Lola. It is a <laughs> trivia game about... Funny music. As a, as a German, I decided to combine your two of your country's biggest exports, rock and roll and comedy. Uh, and uh, <laughs> this quiz is about novelty bands, Flight of the Concords, Tenacious D, Weird Al. You ever heard of those bands? No. Good, because we're doing it anyway. Okay. I'm it's sorry, multiple Bash. choice, so don't worry. Uh, question number one. Have you, he have you heard of the Flight of the Concords or no? The comedy, the comedy duo with guitars? No? no. Okay, great. Great. Maybe Hardigan can help you with some of these. Here we go. Ben's just too busy making millions of dollars as a poker player and coach. But uh, I told you, Germans, if you try to combine comedy with Germans, man, it's like I had a feeling a this, this would go very, very poorly. And it's living up so far. Here we go. Question number one. The Flight of the Concord song Robots takes place in the distant future. The distant future. What year is it in the song? Is it? The year 2000, the year 1995, the year 2021, or the year 55,000? 55,000. 55,000 is very close. It was the year 2000. We were looking for the year 2000. Question number two. What is the actual name of the Tenacious D song commonly referred to as the greatest song in the world? I know this one. Is it? I have not... Uh. Is it dedicated? Is it tribute? Is it greatest? Or is it flug flugahi? Greatest. Greatest, also very close. Hardigan? Tribute. Tribute. That one is tribute. Ben, do not worry about this, okay? You have, there's no control here. This is purely randomizing. Get your, get your randomizer out. Question I'm not three. using randomizers. <laughs> wow. All right. We're learning more and more. Uh, question number three. Which movie did Weird Al set to the tune of Don McLean's American Pie? Was it Harry Potter, The Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, or American Pie the movie? Can you say, can you repeat the question? Yeah, so there's a song called American Pie. Bye, bye, yeah. Miss America. Yeah, yeah, Weird yeah. Al changed all the lyrics to make it about the plot of a movie. Yeah. Was that movie Harry Potter, The Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, or American Pie, the movie? American Pie, the movie. American Pie, the movie was 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 the trick question, James. The trick I'm calling answer. shenanigans. 
because if you say Star Wars, that to yeah. me is the 1977 original. The correct answer is Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. I was just trying to make it easier for Ben to get there, but yes, you are. I didn't even correct, watch Star Wars. <laughs> you see none of the Star Wars. Uh, you may have seen this one. I have high hopes for this one. Okay. Question number four: In which movie does the Dan Ban add a bunch of fucks? to the song Total Eclipse of the Hearts. Every now and then I fucking fall apart. Was it in the movie Step Brothers, the movie The Hangover, the movie Old School, or the movie The Card Counter? I only know Hangover from these movies, but I'm not sure about the fuck, so... But I'm gonna stay with Hangover. Looking for Old School there, Old School. I haven't watched any of those movies. Uh, okay, we're going to skip right to question seven. Uh, I had a feeling you might be struggling here, uh, so I just made this question. Name any rock and roll or any novelty band ever in history. Do you need choices? Yeah. The Heebie Jeebies, Spinal Tap, Steel Panther, Dread Zeppelin, Beatallica. Just name any of those. Uh, all of these or just one of any those of, just name any of those bands that i just named you name one of them back to me metallica you got it there it is <laughs> he's on the board ben Rolla, thanks so much i'll make sure i i next time we do one of these dumb games it's at least something you might have heard of at some yeah, point rock and roll is like the literally problem here is basing the quiz around the name of your guest <laughs> rather than basing the quiz about something they might actually know uh, about. Yeah, no, okay. very stupid on my part, but stupid is the name of the games, and you passed with flying colors. Ben Rolla, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Really happy to have you on board. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. It's a great honor to be here. Don't panic. <laughs> Don't panic. WCube is genuinely over. We're not talking about the World Championship of Online Poker anymore, Joe. There is no after party. There are no extra events. But we are going to be talking about what goes on behind the scenes on our WCube streams. Because one of our colleagues, interestingly, Strag, posted on Discord, I'd love to hear about what you guys do to prep for your coverage. Do you look up player stats, check histories? What does it take? And has it been any different to prep for online cards up versus EPT style broadcasts? I, I don't want to answer this because it's just going to make me look bad. Well, <laughs> on the last point, I would say they are two very different propositions, not least because of the remote nature of our online coverage and no one yeah. being altogether on site. So let's separate them out. And I feel that as it's fresh in our memories and we'll talk about live events another time, let's focus on the work that goes into bringing WCOOP to the masses. And at this point, I'm going to unfairly assume that Joe's prep involves getting out of bed and showering. It is not at all unfair. That's very <laughs> close to the extent of my prep. That's why I said I don't really want to answer this question. I don't do any of the work that goes into the prep for this stuff. Now, in my defense, um, it would be difficult for me to do prep on this, considering that uh, everything that goes on uh, before we pick up the coverage is happening in the dead of night for yes. me. So, um, and luckily we've got a crackerjack team of people who sort of 
put all that information together and present it to me. So I don't have a whole lot to do other than get my ass in that chair. And that's an important thing to highlight is that there is a very talented team working on these productions. So if I want to, to address Strag's key question about looking up player stats and checking histories, we don't do that ourselves. We have a team of producers and we often reference people like Statric, a.k.a. Patrick, the Superfan Quiz compiler, uh, putting together that information. And the great thing is we can work from those notes. We can look up the previous WCOOP titles and SCOOP titles and hashtag fun facts about these players. That information is provided for us. But um, during the day, I mean, I, and I can't speak to every single member of the team. And obviously there are people starting very early, working very hard to get all the systems up and running, to do all the tech checks. Uh, to talk about what we need to build in terms of graphics, in terms of player profiles. Um, but generally, my day would start, and this is partly because I'm just a huge nerd and I just want to be across everything and I want to know what's going on. The first thing I always do is I will always go straight to the PokerStars blog and I would always read Howard's daily update. And Howard, being Howard, would make sure that update was published like first thing in the morning. Europe time. So I know that when I get up, I can see what happened last night, who won what, what the key stats are, what the key stories are. And then I would immediately go to the lobby and see, right, of the events that paused overnight, because we always cover like day twos, day threes, where is our tournament at? So this is, say we're covering like the 5k PKO. So I find our event, see who are the players, Think about, you know, if, you know, do you mind if I interrupt you for one second, sure. James? I just because I don't think you've even given there's some pre pre production that goes into all this that James and the team work on too. even deciding the timing of how is the delay going to work versus what we're going to show during a break and making sure that all of those things line up right is stuff that people put a lot of thought into. Now, that that thought doesn't have to be put in that much now. But when we were first designing how to do these events, even that sort of thing, oh, how do we coordinate the breaks? How do we make it so there's always something to be seen? Like, that's that's thought that has to go into it too, right? You don't just flip a switch and decide to start showing this stuff. You, you actually have to put some thought into it. Absolutely. And the moment that you see that all of the events you're covering are on the same delay and you know that PokerStars has synchronized breaks, everything goes right. on break together, <laughs> that introduces another dimension where we'll actually, we have to be across another event and be recording that and have like a replay producer so that we can delay. show a really kind of solid section of highlights or a solid section of play from that other event during the break. No, you're absolutely right, Joe. And of course, the, the work that would go in beforehand in deciding which of the 306 tournaments on the WP exactly. schedule we're actually going to stream. And I think that experience teaches you that the bigger the buy-in, the more likely people are going to be interested, the bigger the prize money. We know that super high rollers and main events put bums on seats or eyeballs on screens. So you're right, there's that. But on a daily basis, it is about seeing where you're at in your event. I will always try and work out and guess how long I think it's going to play down to a winner based on the number of chips in play and the duration of the blind levels. But then we'll have a catch-up. Like, core members of the team uh, will catch up kind of mid-morning and we'll basically talk about, like, what's going on and is there any player that we should talk to or try and get for an interview either to talk to on the stream or get for the podcast? Uh, what are we going to talk about with Howard? What are the key story points to cover off? We'll come to this down the line we don't have that much time with Howard. And I'll explain why in a moment. So 
what are the three questions we're going to be able to ask? What are the three story points we need to hit with Howard to give that scale and give that overview and the sense that our online series is more than just this final table that we're covering. There's all this other stuff going on and there are these series-long narratives like the player of the series contest, how many titles has Brazil won, that we want to talk about, right? Um, Howard is the Kevin Feige of <laughs> WCOOP. He's helping to craft the overall story points. Where are we going? What are the major themes we're dealing with here? Yeah. And, of course, what our producers will do is they will look through the lobbies of all the tournaments that paused overnight and just see what's something we should be keeping an eye on during the breaks. You know, in an extreme example, is do we do do we need to pivot? Do we need to switch and say, actually, we said we were going to do this event, but look at the final table of that event. I don't think it happened during WCU, but it's happened before. If you get a final table and you go, oh my God, we've got like, you know, all these heroes plus Lex plus Finton, it's a no-brainer. You switch, yeah. you show that instead. Switching. Um, and when it comes to constructing a running order the main focus of that running order is the opening sequence right because the vast majority of the stream the vast majority of what we're producing is an online table with people commentating live and you can't script that obviously but what you can script what you can plan is what happens in the opener and this is where you have to work to time and this is where to talk about the delay, play restarts, and I'm going to do this in UK time, okay? I'm going to keep everything in the same time zone to avoid confusion. So play restarts at five past six. 18.05, exactly. There is a 30-minute delay on our Cards Up coverage, as you know. That means play will start in delay time on the stream at 18.35, we go live at 18.30. I'm already lost, by the way, and I've done this a hundred times. I'm so glad other people think about this for me and <laughs> just tell me when. Five, four, three. So the key reason for going live on the half hour, and this is probably more of a kind of legacy TV thing. I don't want to start the stream at a random time. 25 minutes of the hour is weird. To me, it's either top of the hour or bottom of the hour is when you go live. And that's why we said, look, if we have that fixed on airtime of 18.30 UK, then we know where we're at. But of course, that's five minutes before any poker is dealt. That's not necessarily a bad thing because it gives us the opportunity to set the scene. First thing to say, we had the awesome opening credit sequence where we come through the sky, through history, down to the PokerStars arena. I know that's 50 seconds long. And I know that because in the running order every day, I have to think that's 50 seconds. Then we come to a shot of the arena where I'll introduce the show. I know I've got 20 seconds to do that. I know then that we're going to come to you and me and we're going to say something. And that could be anything between 20 and 30 seconds. We're then going to do the stat tracker. That's another 20 seconds. And that's why Howard has two minutes. Because then, of course, we've got to show who's playing in tonight's event. How many runners were there? Who are the final tablists? Here's the leaderboard with their chip stacks. What are they playing for? What are the stakes? Here are the payouts. And off the back of that, that's the <laughs> so point where much. you want to come to the table and you want a maximum of like five or ten seconds before cards are in the air and you can show people the action. It's all about back timing. So what you have to do is construct that and 
kind of guesstimate it, but only once you're actually, and again, to fast forward, I'm going to skip a few steps here. Once you and I are online, once we've actually done that pre-recorded section with Howard where we do the kind of news update, and once we then actually run that opening sequence in rehearsal from start to finish, only then do we have a legitimate idea of how long it is. And we'll have that kind of like, well, guys, that was actually like five minutes ten. So then we know, okay, Joe, I can't ask you that second question at the start. I need to be quicker going through the chip counts. We need to be super fast on the payouts because I know we want to be hitting 35 minutes past the hour, play starts. We want to be at the table. You don't want to miss any live action. Yeah, so one thing I want to make sure everyone realizes, there's a reason why James does that every single day because James will hit those numbers nearly perfectly every single time. And uh, not going to lie, it would be a lot clunkier if I had to do it. Uh, That's one thing. Second thing is we rehearse that every day. Every single day, we rehearse the beginning of the show. We rehearse going to break. We rehearse the end of the show. Even if it hasn't changed at all from the past 20 days of coverage, we still rehearse it every single day. And that is a credit to James and the other producers who insist on doing it every day. I can promise you right now, I would get lazy and I would get complacent if it were me. And I'm so glad that I'm not in charge of it because the people who are in charge of it don't get lazy and don't get complacent. Don't get complacent. And we don't really fuck it up. It well, actually works out really well. If you had to run the show, Joe, and this is a shout out to Chris, who is the lead producer and director of those streams. He would, he would keep you honest. He'd give you your timings and he'd keep you on point. And, you know, credit to Chris for making sure that we do run through everything every day because it's not so much for our benefit. It's for the benefit of the entire team. It's for sure. the audio operator. It's for the replay operator who's putting in the stadium shots. It's for the graphics op. If we're going to a break where we're putting up graphics like player of the series or the country's leaderboard, you know, you've got to run this stuff so that everyone knows that, well, check check that all the kits working check that everyone can hear each other on talkback and check that everyone knows what their little piece of the puzzle is that then forms the complete picture but yeah we have fast forwarded we've skipped a step which is after the team have done that research during the afternoon we do have a production meeting after you've just got up joe and that's really a chance to kind of let everyone know the whole team every single person working on the production what are we covering today is there anything different about today anything that anyone needs to know that's kind of a change from what we might have done yesterday if there was any problem yesterday a technical issue that rose have we found a solution to that and after that that's when we get online and it is a case of lining us up making sure that joe and i look at least presentable i'm not going to say pretty uh but that you know framing in focus lighting (laughs) again tech checks going through all the graphics that have been created by graphical hue making sure that they all look right that the information matches what we've seen in the lobby there's no typos you know People make mistakes, and that's why it's good to cast eyes over stuff and have someone sub-edit and, 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 and approve. And then we get into doing the pre-record with Howard, maybe some pre-recorded interviews with players who've won WCOOP titles that we can run during the breaks. Um, and yeah, then as you said, rehearse the opener, rehearse the closer, rehearse the breaks, and check the timings of everything. And again... I'm going to give Chris another shout out. When we do do those interviews and when we do do the set the hits with Howard, he's in our ear. 30 seconds gone, 60 seconds gone, 90 seconds gone, because we know we've got to hit that target. We can't go beyond that point because otherwise 
You go beyond the end of the break, you're going to miss live action. You go beyond the end of the opening sequence, you're going to miss live action. And that's that's not good. And it's all, um, you know, the, a lot of, in a lot of ways, you know, the online events we cover are kind of easier in some ways, right? That, you know, and as far as convenience of location and not having to go anywhere, but in some ways they're more difficult. Whenever you guys see us do an interview pre-recorded, uh, th- th- they're one take. Um, and that can be troubling sometimes. Uh, it can be difficult if for it all to be one take. Uh, if we go too long, right? Like these interviews have to be like right around two minutes, two minutes, even sometimes I think two minutes, 10 seconds, we redo them uh, because that opening sequence is so tight. Uh, if there is a glitch, if someone messes up, if someone says something like kind of like, you know, little flubs get through, but if someone really trips over their words so bad that they kind of embarrass themselves, we redo all of that. And, and you know, and that 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 can be um, obviously time consuming and a little frustrating, but also like there's pressure in that uh, to, to hit those timings right. Sometimes it can be a little bit sort of um, just knowing that, like, OK, if we don't get this, we have to redo it and our time before we go live is limited. So we, you know, it's, it's not unlimited time we're working with today. And the one other thing I wanted to mention content wise that makes my job easier. And I'm sure James's job slightly easier too, is that the folks working behind the scenes are passionate about the poker too. So there are guys like Paul and Matt and Chris and Pete, uh, Hugh, Richard, all who really like the poker and know a a lot about these players themselves and are able to feed us information and give us little fun things that we can mention stuff that like I wouldn't remember stuff that I wouldn't think of and all have really cool contributions to the show while we're in the moment and we don't always get a chance to credit those things as they come through. The final two things I was going to say on this subject. Number one, I, I have no idea whether this is of interest to people. So apologies if everything we've just talked about for the last 40 minutes has kind of bored you to tears. But I don't know, maybe you find this kind of behind the scenes stuff interesting. And the second thing, some people's reaction might be, this sounds like a sledgehammer to crack a nut. Don't most streamers just click the go live button and <laughs> yeah, start talking? True. <laughs> and I would say to that is that we're trying to put together, I think, the best in class productions whether that's live coverage of our live events or live coverage of our online events do we run them like a tv show with a full gallery and crew hell yeah do we think that's the best way to do it to provide the best possible content yeah and make no apologies for that um and hopefully i'd like to think people see that effort on the screen it comes through Yeah. yeah yeah it does yeah um so at some point Maybe when we're back on the road or maybe in a future week, we can kind of relive some of the stories from previous EPTs, Joe. We can talk about what happens with those productions. Yeah, I mean, sure. Especially if we're able to share some of the times when there was almost a disaster. Um, I can think of like, it hasn't happened in a long time. And I cross cross my fingers, but there are a few times uh, we had to come off air at the, at the EPT. So maybe if we... Uh, we're able to share some of those stories. James is very quiet right now. He's like, uh-uh, no, we can't No, because I'm about trying that. to think of times we've come <laughs> off there. I can think of two occasions, and they're both caused by power cuts in Monte Carlo. Both but, in Monte uh, Carlo. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> okay, well, that's the story. We'll that's come up fine, with something else then. <laughs> anything that's like not our fault, anything that's beyond right. your control is kind of like, yeah, we can talk about. Uh, but no, um, we will return to this subject, because I do think, you know, lifting the curtain and going behind the scenes hopefully is interesting for some people. Hey, tell us, tell us on Discord. 
uh, give us feedback on this. Let us know. In the meantime, uh, let's try and give a superfan some prizes. Well, we are going to the United States of America for this week's Superfan segment as we welcome Dimitros Lambros to the show. Dimitros, how are you? Hello, my daddies. How are you guys? <laughs> Dim- Demetrius Lambros, I can only assume, is from Syracuse, New York, if he's coming from... Uh, uh, close, New, New Jersey. New Jersey. All right. But, yeah, but family is all from uh, from Greece. How how many American generations are we away from Greece? Uh, well, I'm, I'm first generation. Awesome. Fantastic. And uh, what is the rest of your deal, bro? <laughs> the rest of my deal? Yo. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm a marketing guy, uh, and I've, uh, I've just started to really play poker within the past five, six years. Uh, and I had done some like online stuff in the past and really wasn't uh, doing pretty well or just really didn't pay any attention to it. But I passed by a, a bar one day and it said, you know, poker, 7 p.m. So I stopped in to see what that was all about. I played horribly. Um, as you might imagine. Um, so you won is what I guess you're saying. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. Not at all. It's, I, I couldn't even, it was, you know, tournament style. I couldn't make it past the first break. And then uh, I went back the following week. I said, okay, let me try this again. And I got knocked out very quickly again. So the third week I said, all right, I'm only going to play jacks or, and then work from there. Um, and so... Uh, Slowly, I started to build up my game, but I really picked it up when I learned how to deal. I saw the dealers were getting extra chips, bonus chips for dealing, because they were all volunteers. And so I said, I can do that, even though I had no clue what to do. Uh, Is that an option on PokerStars New Jersey at this point? Can you volunteer to deal and just (laughs) get like a couple of extra chips? That's right. That'd be great. No. Um, So at what point? Dimitrios, did you pick up a copy of Dole Brunson's Super System and put all of its secrets to use? Uh, two weeks ago. Right. Ooh. <laughs> um, so, no, I, 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 I've done well in, 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 in bar poker pretty, pretty recently. But, you know, uh, yeah, no, this, this is my first poker book I've ever read. Right. Bar poker is amazing because you don't win money. You just win like a bar tab. So you win alcoholism basically correct yes (laughs) (laughs) well we're going to give you the chance to win something a little bit more meaningful than that (laughs) um we've already said what the specialist subject is it is Dole brunson's super system um a book joe i'm going to presume you have at best at best perused isn't the technical definition of peruse uh studied very closely and and read uh, anyway, I have I have neither done the literal nor the figurative definition of perusing super system. Uh, I wouldn't be able to tell you who it's dedicated to. I wouldn't be able to tell you the table of contents. It is a massive, intimidating book with, as I mentioned earlier, a very stupid name. Don't worry, because I think Patrick's <laughs> quiz very much scratches the surface, and I think you'll stand a chance, Joe, even if you're just playing a guessing game. Uh, okay, Patrick good. was quite amused by some of the uh, theoretical concepts, uh, technical analysis, and tips that were imparted in a book written, God, the better part of 40 years ago now. Uh, Dimitros, in all seriousness, have you found the book any use 
as a poker guide or did you just look at it as a kind of, hey, this is about poker. This is fun. Uh, actually, there was a couple uh, things in it that um, I realized that I, I was already implementing in my game. So I thought that that was pretty insightful. And so there's some things in the game that hasn't changed that much over 30 years, 40 years. Um, but yeah, there are some other things that I was like, you know, I still don't know what a jelly roll is. It's, it's a whole. <laughs> it's like I assume it's kind of it's kind of like the Bible at this point, right? Like it's mostly out of date, but there's some core concepts in there that we can probably still take away. I yeah, think. but once you get past Doyle's these and thous, then it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you get to go first as our superfan, as our guest, Dimitrios. So, advance warning. Multiple choice questions with a few bonuses. The only question that does not have multiple choice options is question seven. So, if you feel it's always coming seven, there are no options. However, there are a potential four points up for grabs in question seven. Forewarned is forearmed. Where would you like to go on the board? Oh, man, that, that makes my decision a little tougher. Um, I it already does. had a strategy coming into this, but uh, I'll, I'll stick with my strategy. I'm, I'm working my way backwards as a countdown, so I'm okay. starting with 10. Question number 10. What does mm -hmm. Doyle say is the most common tell when playing live poker? Uh, it's the pulse in the neck. Correct, for two points. Nice one. I, I, I knew I, I knew that was an answer to the question. I didn't know that was from Super System. Good to know. Joe, where would you like to go first? Do I try to fuck with uh, Demetrius's uh, strategy and go with nine here? Or do I go for swing for the fences with seven? I, I, I feel, you know what? No, I don't want to take it from Demetrius. I'm going to go with nine. Nine's my lucky number. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess up his strategy. Let's go. Okay. In the No Limit Hold'em section, what hand does Doyle constantly say he would rather have than aces or kings? Remember, multiple take, choice options yeah. are available. I'll take the choices. Seven, six suited, ace, king, deuces, or ten deuce? Seven, six suited. Incorrect. The answer is ace, king. Yeah, ace, king. Ugh. Suited is better. But, yeah. Okay, got it. I, I, if if the answer had been Ace King suited, I would have guessed Ace King suited, but didn't realize. All right. Okay. Uh, so ten and nine have gone, Demetrius. Are we still working backwards? Are we sticking to the plan? Yes, eight. eight. Okay. What was the original title of Super System? Uh, How I won a million dollars playing poker. Correct for two points. Much better title. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not being funny, that is like clickbait before the era of clickbait. Uh, yeah. Joseph, where are you going? I mean, I'm behind by a lot, right? You're behind You've by four points. Yeah, and four <laughs> points are available in question oh, seven. Let's go. It, it is always coming seven. One time for Staves. Let's go. Right. So a reminder, a reminder that there are no multiple choice options here. Yeah. There are 10 hands that Doyle describes as trouble hands in No Limit Hold'em. I want you to name four of the 10. For every hand you name correctly, I'll give you a point. But if you say a hand that's not on the list, it's over. Got so it. the that moment you say an incorrect fair. hand, yeah. you're done. I think that Ace-9 is a trouble hand. Ace-9 is not on the list. Unlucky, Joe. <laughs> you crap out. 
Let's see. Can we let Demetrios take some stabs at this? Sure. For no points, Demetrios, give me one of Dole's <laughs> trouble hands. King nine. King nine is not on the list. Oh, he had yeah, he had King nine, Queen eight, Jack seven. Joel Brunson's trouble ten trouble hands. Ace Queen, yeah. Ace Jack, Ace Ten, King Queen, King Jack, oh, King Ten, right, yeah. Queen Jack, Queen Ten, Jack Ten, Nine Eight. Yeah, those are the trash hands. I'm sorry, that's my fault. Yes. Trouble oh wait, hands there's trash a, hands. there's trouble. Yeah. Oh. So maybe I ruined the future question. Okay. Uh, <sighs> no, don't worry. No more like that. Okay. Right. Six. Dimitrios, question number six. In Hold'em, what does Doyle say you should do with a big pair from early position? Uh, big pair from early position. Uh, that was a raise or bet. Raise. Would you like the options? <laughs> no, I can't. Okay. Uh, yes, I would like the options. Okay. With a big pair in early position, should you raise bigger than usual, raise the minimum, limp, or angle shoot? <laughs> uh, it, it's limp then. It is limp, and I will give you one yeah. point. You're still up 5 0. Joe, question five? That's one of the few I would have got. Quite, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. Let's go. Okay, so question five. The good news is you don't have to have read the book to know the answers to these questions. This is just general Dole Brunson trivia. Also, okay. three points up for grabs here. The main question, in which two years did Dole Brunson win the World Series of Poker World Championship main event? Back to back. I can't do it without the choices. Okay. Was it 1979 and 1980, 1975 and 1976, 1976 and 1977, or 1914 and 1915? Oh. It's e I've narrowed it down to either A or C. Can you reread me? A is 79 and 80, right? Yep. And C is 76-77? Those were the two options you've narrowed it down to. Ah. <sighs> 76 and 77. Correct for a point. You're on the board. You're not going to put up an egg in this game. And this one I I'm quit. pretty confident you will get. <laughs> what hand did Doyle have? What hold cards did Doyle have in the final hand? Both Doyle was years. holding a uh, the driving instruction hand, the 10 and the 2. Correct. So you got two out of a possible three points. Well done. Uh, question four, Demetrios. Yes, sir. Complete the quotation. In No Limit Play, you must be very careful not to lose all your chips in a blank pot. Oh, what is the one. blank? Um, Non-raised pot. Unraised pot is the answer for two points. Don't go broke in a limped pot. Everybody yeah. learns this in their first <laughs> trip to a casino. Okay, Blank Joe, assuming you're going with question three, you've got more Dole Brunson trivia. The answer is in the book, but you might know it apropos of nothing. What is the name of Dole's wife? I'll take the choices. Louise, Lisa, Elizabeth, Leanne. Louise. Louise for one point. Which brings us to question two, Demetrios. What variant of poker does Doyle say he's best at? Uh, no limit. No limit hold'em for two points. Whoa. And final question, Joe. Show question off. one. How <laughs> old was Dole Brunson when he wrote the book? 
Uh, that's for me still? Nope, that's no, a that's Joe Stapleton question. Oh, okay, sorry. Give him a mm. chance to just, sorry, you know, <laughs> just earn a little bit of dignity. He's not going to win, Dimitrios, but, you know. Okay. I'll take the choices. Was Dole 34, 39, 44, or 49? 44. He was 44. So one final point at the end. Uh, but Dimitrios still wins by better than a two-to-one margin. Nine points for our <laughs> superfan. Four points for Joe Stapleton. Congratulations, Dimitrios. You are a winner. If you're in New Ooh. Jersey, we can sort you out with a PokerStars ticket plus some PokerStars swag. Uh, I'm actually in Atlanta, so uh, ah, no, just the I swag get then. That. Or that I wouldn't case, mind coming to one of Stapes' home games one day, though. I can't offer that as a prize, but I can give I you an enhanced, enhanced swag right. bag. So plenty of PokerStars merch will be coming across the Atlantic to the state of Georgia. Alternatively, right. you. you could relocate back to New Jersey and play on PokerStars NJ. Then we got you. That'll work. <laughs> Demetrios, <laughs> thank you for giving up your time today. Great to talk to you. Nice to see you. All right, my babies, we're almost out of time for this week's show. But coming up next week, we've been talking about it for over a year. The legendary writer, director, auteur, filmmaker, Paul frickin' Schrader is going to be here. We're going to talk about the card counter. We're also going to talk about many of the classic movies that Paul has written slash directed. Can we talk um, about the poker games that Paul's been thrown out of? You know, I'm not sure. so sure Focus is going to want us to focus on that, but we'll see. We'll see. Also, when, uh, something I've learned about Paul is you can't stop him from talking about the things that he decides he wants to talk about. So my guess is we may not even have to bring it up. He may decide he wants to talk about it. Um I'm out of town, out of L.A. I noticed in Los Angeles when I was leaving the card counter screening, there's like a, a movie theater up the street called the Silent Movie Theater where they do like a lot of screenings and stuff. And they're showing cat people there, uh, which seemed like an odd choice for the weekend that the card counter is coming out. So I wonder if that was intentional. But I have been assigned to finally watch Mishima as well for next week's Superfan Quiz. Yes, that will be the subject of the Superfan Quiz. Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters, a 1985 movie by Paul Schrader, one of my favorites of all time. Cool. Uh, in the meantime, again, a reminder that we appreciate your comments, questions, feedback, Superfan applications, podcast suggestions on Discord, the Pokestar server, link in the podcast description all right my babies well that is all the time we have got for this week's show until next time for james hardigan i am joe stapleton smell you later <laughs>